and welcome to this Linklaters podcast on payments regulation. I'm joined on the line by one of our payments regulation experts, Richard Hay. This is the last in a short series of episodes on insolvency in the payment sector. Today, we'll be discussing some of the risks relating to newer payment providers. Richard, what trends do you see when you look at the payments market? Thanks, Simon. Um, and it's great. It's great to be here. So. Um, I mean, clearly, as a result of, of COVID-19 and every, everything that we've seen over the, the past year or so, there's been a, a really significant rise in, in e-commerce transactions. And it's been a continuation of a theme that we've seen before the pandemic, but it's really been exacerbated since then. Um, and just to uh, I guess throw out a few figures, um, over the course of the period from, from 2010 to, to 2018, there was a huge growth in in the total number of, of the total amount of e-money in issuance in the euro area, basically grew threefold from three trillion euros to ten trillion euros over, over that period. Um, a similar trend, or rather a related trend, is is a, a quite a dramatic change in in the use of cash uh, um, over the same period, but but also again exacerbated by uh, COVID nineteen. So cash payments are down around 60% over the, the past decade. But actually, quite interestingly, the, the total value of banknotes in circulation in the UK actually increased over that time, quite paradoxically. So that, what that tends to indicate is that although people are using cash um, less to, to actually spend their money in, in transactions, they, the, there seems to be an increase in the, in the total volume of, of cash, and, and perhaps people are are using it more to store value. Now, those trends overall really tend to, to favor new entrants. So increased digital payments, increased e-commerce activity, lower use of physical cash. And, and um, so for example, new payment service providers and, and e-money institutions, um, and, and crucially new forms of, of, of payments um, such as digital wallet providers and, and other, other new payment service providers are, are emerging with increasingly complex um, business models. Okay, so it sounds to me like market conditions are, are benefiting these new payment providers you just mentioned, but I suppose there are still risks, aren't there? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm, so I'm conscious that we've, we've talked in previous episodes about some of the consequences of individual firm failures and the way that, that regulators and the FCA in particular uh, are responding. It's also worth bearing in mind, I think, that there are other risks, not just, not just conduct risks um, uh, elsewhere in the system. And, and, and regulators such as the Bank of England have been focusing on those potential systemic risks in particular. So um, what what they've identified and, and the Bank of England is, is really focusing on is that, that many of these payment providers and, and um, new entrants are not, not islands, but actually they form part, as I mentioned, of quite complex payment chains that link together multiple different institutions and, and ultimately, um, ultimately consumers. And the, the, the sector is, is having to, um, to deal with uh, as I mentioned, lots of lots of new payment models. So, um, digital wallet providers, in, payment initiators, acquirers, gateways. There's lots of innovation coming out of coming out of the sector, and the Bank of England has has um, identified that 
whether a, a, an individual firm is of systemic importance now needs to be assessed by reference to how it acts in relation to those payment chains. And so it's really focused on this concept of systemic payment chains and assessing individuals, um, individual firms' risk and the risk that they bring to the, the financial system by reference to those systemic payment chains. So you say that the, the Bank of England is really focused on this and, and the role of these new players in, in payment chains. But what are they doing? What are they saying in response to that? Well, so the, the crucial point that, that, that the bank has, has um, brought out is really that whereas historically um, they would have had oversight over these, these, um, these payment chains and, and, um, and payments going through the, the financial system, actually now they need to adjust the regulatory framework in order to extend their powers to regulate these new these new entrants and new systemic payment chains and this was picked up in the the, the treasury's um payment landscape review that uh, uh that call for evidence that that came out in in the middle of last year but really the focus is the 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 bank is is you know has expressed some concern really that the current regulatory perimeter doesn't allow it to um, exercise sufficient oversight over the systemic risks that may be building up in in uh, in relation to these payment chains. And what might what might that look like if the if the Bank of England is going to extend its powers? You know, in, in what ways is it going to do that? So we're 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 still waiting for more details, but um, uh, they have signalled that, uh, and it stands to reason. The first thing you would want to understand is. You know where are the the risks building up, and in order to be able to identify those systemically important payment firms again by reference to to payment chains as, as I mentioned, and so the the first the 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 first um, power that 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 we could expect to see is is effectively with regard to monitoring, and so one option would be to impose information requirements on on any firm above a certain threshold, for example, in a in a payment chain. And then firms that are identified through that mechanism as systemically important could then be subject to standards of resilience, operational financial resilience, for example, um, that reflect the risks that they that they pose. So I'm sure banks will be very familiar with some of those concepts, financial resilience and financial instability and so on. But it, it sounds to me like that could be potentially new ground for some of these newer payment providers. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And and it's actually it's really interesting to to see the evolution here because arguably what is happening is an importing back into the payments and e-money sectors of, of complex of concepts that, that are applicable to banks and, and and deposit taking institutions. And and in a sense that is the dilemma that regulators face at the moment. They have a, a sector, the payments and, and e-money sector that is that is currently more likely regulated than um, than the the deposit taking sector and, and for good reason because the, the the model is different but the question then is as as that the payments and the money sector becomes more complex and potentially risks build up in 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 on that side of things do you make e-money firms and payment institutions look a little bit more like banks or do you do you adopt a a disclose and explain model so you you ask those firms to to very clearly explain and disclose the risks that customers could be could be facing when they interact with them so that consumers can make an informed assessment about about 
where they should um, uh, who, who they should interact with and and to go about answering that question you, you it, it's helpful to sort of um, think about the different features that give consumers confidence in in using banks and first and, and very importantly there's, there's obviously prudential supervision and regulatory capital requirements they are comparatively light for for payment firms and any e money institutions that seems unlikely to change because it reflects, as I mentioned, a difference in the basis of the activities that they conduct. And in particular, um, uh, e-money institutions and, and payment institutions don't have any, any lending capability. They cannot create co commercial bank money, for, for example. And so, um, so that's, that's the first element. Secondly, you then have a um, uh, special administration regime um, that applies to um, uh, investment banks, for example, and, and I know that's been that's been covered, and it is coming into play for EMIs and, and payment institutions. That does represent a significant um, a significant source of of comfort for consumers in relation to financial institutions. But thirdly, the 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 Bank of England plays a an absolutely crucial role in relation to the banking system as as lender of last resort, and now. Um, E-money institutions and, and payment service providers can open settlement accounts with the Bank of England, but in general, they can't open reserves, account, uh, reserves accounts or access the Bank of England's balance sheet. And so the Bank of England doesn't play a lender of, of last resort role currently for that sector. And, and so there is a question as to whether or not that will be extended, and, and there has been uh, uh, some consultation on, on, on that question. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, is the availability of a statutory protection scheme. So, you know, do you extend, for example, the FSCS in, in the UK to e-money institutions and payment service providers, and specifically with regard to the, the, the potential insolvency of the e-money institution and the, 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 the payments institution? Um, now, that is that is obviously a very a very big question you know you you'd face questions as to how that would be funded etc um but um but obviously the potential extension of a scheme like that would give a significant amount of comfort to to end investors in dealing with those those um and consumers in dealing with those types of those types of entity Thanks, Richard. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea. And, and that FSES point was uh, one that Harry and Rory were talking about in a previous episode when they were talking about the uh, special administration regime for PIs and EMIs. But it is interesting because, to my mind, it seems like, you know, the, the payments institutions and e-money institutions already have safeguard, safeguarding obligations. Um, shouldn't that be enough just to safeguard customer funds? Yeah, that's the that's the the million dollar question, as it were. Um, and um, you know, arguably, it is right. So, e-money institutions, payment institutions are required to to safeguard customer funds. Arguably, however, a holder of e-money, for example, or a, a customer of a payment institution, is still exposed to certain risks, and in particular, operational risks and the risks of of um, you know, fluctuations in value of, of safeguarded funds over time or, or safeguarded assets over time. And obviously, there would be genuine and practical concerns, as I mentioned, with with how a compensation scheme would be implemented in practice. So, you know, I, I mentioned funding, but but there are other other questions. How would the industry be impacted? What would happen to 
to you know already thin margins in in the e-money and, and and payment space do you extend the existing um payment scheme or set up a new one how long would the process take what would be the practicalities etc 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 um and of course coming back to to the theme i mentioned earlier there is this this crucial question as to how much regulators are willing to uh, to, to tweak the, the regulatory regime applicable to e-money uh, providers and, and payment service providers before they, they, they really start looking quite like banks. And on that big question, I think we'll wrap it up there. So thank you very much, Richard. That concludes our short series looking at insolvency in the payment sector. But if you have any follow-up questions, please do get in touch with us. You can tweet at Linklaters Tech or email fintech.podcasts at linklaters.com. Thank you for listening and goodbye.